Hello, welcome back to Till Death Do Us podcast, a podcast about marriage, murder, with the Murrays. I'm Michelle Murray. And I'm Matt. And... Murray. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do I normally say my last name? No, I think, yeah, I think we both say it. I forgot. Oh. (laughs) I'm actually second guessing it. I'm not sure if I do. I think I might just say I'm Michelle. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe we do both. I don't remember. I don't either. Yeah. Happy 10 episodes. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. This is pretty crazy. I know. You know, I hoped we had the power to do this for 10 episodes, but I didn't know we would get this many listeners. It's, yeah, really cool. Really, really cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know like probably it's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but like it feels like more than... It feels like a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like more than I thought we were going to get. Yeah. So, yeah. How are you? Pretty you're good. adjusting, adjusting yeah, I'm just adjusting, the, just adjusting the chair. Everyone can hear your giant chair. Listen, it's, it's wonderful and very comfortable. Yeah. Look at it in all its glory. <laughs> <laughs> Stare at my chair. Yeah, no, it was a rainy Monday. Good weekend, though. We went on that sweet hike. Yeah, it was so nice. Up, uh, up in, like, this weird hidden place that we didn't even really know existed. Even though I, like, grew up there. Like, down the street. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, we had no idea this whole trail system was... It was beautiful. Yeah, it was great. It was so nice. It's been nice to get out on these hikes and, uh, you know, I think we're gonna try to do more of them. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. How are you still, doing? Still in quarantine. Yep. You know, that's fun. It's your whole life. <laughs> I've decided that now that I only have one week left until I go back to work, that I'm going to get all of the cleaning that I was, like, putting off for the past six weeks done this week. Oh, good. Yeah. I did a lot of stuff today. (laughs) Between cleaning, like, like the deep cleaning stuff. Like, I cleaned, like, the couch cushions and, like... The heaters. Is this and part of your like last last minuteness? Like, we're like if it it's had continued... shit I should have been doing the past six weeks. That's what I mean. Like, so like now that you know you have to go back to work, you're like shit. Yeah. I should do all that stuff. Yeah. Instead of like the way women nest for a baby. Yeah. I'm nesting to go back to work. Okay. <laughs> it has to be clean, otherwise it will be a mess. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's um, you know, it's been good. Yeah. Good. Same old. Good. Yeah. Yeah like we don't see each other we don't i know i mean more now we see each other now yeah because i don't leave the house (laughs) (laughs) i do (laughs) i find i find an excuse to leave the house every day i'm like oh man we need that tote at target yeah i should go to target and then you come back with 70 toys for grayson (sighs) i know You're like, oh, you don't have this one random background character from Cars 5. <laughs> Every time I go to the store, I get a new character from Cars. <laughs> and what sucks is that, like, I literally, like, my oldest son had all of these cars. And I'm dumb. And I didn't think I was going to meet anybody and have more children. So I, like, gave all of his shit away. And now I'm, like, seriously regretting it because yeah. I'm just putting all of my money back in into the same shit that i had already owned previously yeah i hate to tell you this uh this kid likes cars you like yeah 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 i could quote those movies front to back if i needed to (laughs) (laughs) well he's gonna have all the characters great so we'll never forget make our own little cars movie movie. yeah we're gonna do a stop animation if you know the words yeah (laughs) no we'll make our own i'm not gonna recreate a movie that i've watched a million times (laughs) All right, you ready for my tip? This is How Not to Murder Each Other with Michelle Murray. (laughs) Okay, so my tip this week is to always be opening yourself up. So things that, like, I swore to you I would never do Mm -hmm. or vice versa. You always want to make sure to... Do something that your partner would like you to do, even if you really, really don't want to. So I swore that I would never play video games. <laughs> but it turns out that you actually kind of like some video but games. you made this whole file for me that was like a list of games that I should play. And I played a couple of them and I actually really, really liked them. Of course. Or that time that I was like, try my fucking chili. And you oh, were like, yeah. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> so just for some context... I am uh, 
<laughs> relatively picky eater for one reason or another. Um, Chili is a difficult meal for some people anyways because it just looks like a hodgepodge of stuff. fucking right. shit. But like, so I don't eat a lot of things. Uh, you know, it just is what it is. is. I'm I've made it to this point in my life. You, you know, survive. Yeah, I'm a meatitarian. <laughs> like, if people can choose just to eat fucking vegetables, I can choose to eat none. And fuck you if you think I'm wrong. Uh, you but, were keto before. It was cool. Yeah, I was keto before <laughs> keto was even a fucking thing. <laughs> and that's why I was so thin when I was young, damn it. Um, but I literally had to... So Michelle made this chili. And I could... I li- Like, I physically can't make myself try things. Like, it's... It's weird. I have, like, a reaction. Like, I don't think people understand sometimes how bad it is. But, like, I had to close my eyes, and you then spoon-fed me one spoonful of the chili. And you loved it. And it was delicious. It made me so happy. I know. Because I hate cooking, but I really like making chili. Yeah, right. It made me so happy. And it was really good. And I hope it makes you as happy when I do shit that I swear I'm not going to do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like play video games or put up with wrestling yeah put up with wrestling. <laughs> sometimes i just gotta see what what's going on yeah you know you know it's all good yeah or or the fact that i swore up and down that i would not let you display your fucking pops in our house and now you own fucking probably as many as i do so basically what i'm saying guys is like Sometimes you don't know what you're going to enjoy right. until sometimes, you try to enjoy it. Sometimes your partner might end up knowing you better than you know yourself. Mm-hmm. But never admit that. I'm just saying. Except you just did. You broke your own rule. Forget it. <laughs> I'm over it. Well, that was a good, that was a good one. <laughs> All right. Well, so well, here we are. We're going to a dark, dark place today, guys. Yeah, this is... a pretty tough one yeah i'm gonna try not i i will try very hard not to joke during this i guess well i mean it it's i know true crime comedy podcast it's really tough because like you want to make light of the situation right but then some people don't understand that like it's it's like a a reaction it's a nervous reaction yeah it's an awkward uncomfortable right yeah yeah this guy uh so Michelle told me, we're doing Ed Kemper, by the way. Yes. I'm so glad you guys chose him because, I, I, I mean, I'm fascinated by him. Yeah. And, um, I mean, ironically, to prep for this, I actually didn't listen to anything or watch anything, which is funny because, I mean, that's normally what I choose to do because it's just the way my brain retains the information the best. Mm-hmm. Um. But I have, like, in the past listened to podcasts. Like, every pod, true crime podcast has, like, done uh, an episode on Ed, Ed Kemper because he's so fascinating. Yeah, he's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's. I think this may be one of the only ones where I might have come into this knowing a little bit more than you. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was, like, a big true crime person. Uh, you know, I remember hearing a lot about Son of Sam growing up and then Ed Kemper and uh, a lot of other ones. You know, the larger ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, he's been one where, um, I haven't investigated as much until recently, but there was like a lot of stuff that I just kind of knew. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, he really is, uh, fascinating. It's like a good word. Just crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Um, trigger warning for anyone listening to this, there is sexual content. If you're not comfortable with that, again, you don't have to listen. We still love you. It's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll have episodes where we don't have this, but we'll always tell exactly. you. We'll always tell you when we do. Exactly. So you're right. I think you did know about him a little more than I did. So I was first introduced to Ed Kemper um, in the Netflix series Mindhunter, which stars Jonathan Groff, who was the amazing King George in the original Broadway <laughs> cast of Hamilton, in case anybody didn't know that. Yeah. I just, wanna... I just felt like that's important information. I'm not done yet. All right. Wait, I just want to Jonathan rewind. Groff is also Kristoff in Frozen. Okay, it's your okay. turn. Oh, okay. Great. Indian <laughs> uh, I want to just rewind a second and let everybody know that like my mom growing up was like a huge, huge, huge serial killer person. Like not that she was a serial killer, but that like I just You just had to clarify that. Well, the way I said it sounded a little weird. She was a really big prolific serial killer person. Uh 
but like I remember her having these series of books. Um, you know, like maybe your mom grew up with like a bookshelf full of like fantasy novels or like old timey everybody reads these books. My mom had like volumes of things on serial killers like that was just like prominently displayed in my basement forever yeah uh and I remember... so like what our kids get to do with <laughs> yeah, i mean well mine's more batman but uh batman <laughs> might as well be he's like a vigilante serial killer he just doesn't kill anybody <laughs> um but yeah ed kemper super interesting and my mom probably left me with the liking of this kind of like this morbid curiosity just from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my turn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I was first introduced to Ed Kemper's um, crimes on Mindhunter, which, like, if you haven't watched that show, what the hell are you doing with your life? You should go watch it right now. Yeah. Like, if you're listening to this or any other yeah. podcast, like, you, y- podcast, you have nothing else to do right now. Go yeah. watch it. Yeah. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Don't turn us off though after this after go watch it go watch it so um the role of ed kemper was played by cameron Britton, who was just unbelievably phenomenal i feel like he won an award for it for it or at least he was nominated he might have i mean he he was incredible uh yeah like the the his mannerisms and yeah he nailed it it's crazy yeah if you watch um so ed kemper himself has a lot of um there are a lot of videos online that you can watch of him actually speaking about his own crimes and um if you put that next to Cameron Britton portraying him in Mindhunter it's incredible yeah he did a, he whatever yeah. research he did was really good and um he sounds and yeah. uh, acts just like Ed Kemper. he was also in um the Manhunt uh the Unabomber show that I watched without you <laughs> Excuse me? But it was really What'd good. What would you say while so you were like, telling off so <laughs> You're like, so. you know that my Manhunter show that I watched <laughs> I watched it without you. You jerk. But um, that's another one I recommend to watch. So I got most of um, my notes that I have written down and stuff from Murderpedia, mm-hmm. specifically by an article an article by Marley MacLeod. 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 Marley M. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, he was born Edmund Emil Kemper III on December 18th, 1948 in Burbank, California to Clarnell Stage and Edmund Kemper Jr. Mm-hmm. We've, we've kind of talked about this a little bit before privately, but like, it seems like that era of births, like the era between like the late 40s and like the early 60s holds like the most amount of fucking serial killer births. In any time in history. People born in the 40s and 50s? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, they... I mean, maybe not. Maybe we have a ton now, but... I don't know. I think that's pretty crazy. Or, like, I wonder what about that time made that happen. Well, what about the 70s that made them all go crazy? Yeah, that's true. It's, it's all the We'll get there. All right. <sighs> drugs. <laughs> Ed's parents separated when he was only nine. Him and his sister stayed with their mother and moved to Helena, Montana. He grew up with more than one stepfather. He had many issues with his mother. She was constantly making fun of his height and how scary he looked, and she even made him live in the basement. Mm-hmm. Ed was struggling to make friends and was having a hard time in school. He began to torture and kill animals, mm-hmm. which is like the number one marker for a serial killer. Yeah, one of uh, an interesting fact about the him living in the basement is that he specifically mentions it in a couple of interviews that he's done, mm-hmm. um, where... As a child, because the, those times were very religious, mm-hmm. he uh, a trigger kind of went off where his sisters would actually get sent upstairs where their rooms were, right? And he would get sent to the basement, and he always felt like there was this weird like divisiveness of like, oh my, like subconsciously my sisters are getting sent to heaven, and like I'm getting sent to hell. Mm, yeah, yeah. He well, so it a couple times. It's very weird. Well, so um, this article said that like. Uh, Clarnell, the mother, didn't want them to share a room, which, like, that makes I understand. Sense. Yeah. Um, but as a child, right. do, do you, you don't understand see it that, that way? Yeah. yeah. Right. Gender, like, when you're that young, you yeah. don't really. It's not. A, it's not a thing. Uh, yeah. Clarnell didn't know how to handle him anymore, and at his requests, he was sent to live with his father and stepmother in L.A. 
They felt the same way that she did, that he was unmanageable and threatening and, and like, they had enough of him, too. So, eventually, they sent him to... So, the father sent him to his parents' house. So, they had a 17-acre farm in North Fork, California, and he was sent to live with them a little bit after Christmas of 1963. Mm. And he was like, so he's just being tossed around. Not between, happy by yeah. this. Yeah. So he, I mean, he was young. He was 14, 15. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can't imagine what that feels like. Like first, like your, your mom, mom doesn't, doesn't want, want you, you and your then dad your dad doesn't, doesn't want you. Yeah. So I'm losing my place a lot already. And I'm only <laughs> on the first page. God damn it. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> All right. So he was not happy. So, I mean, the same old was happening there. Like, he was still not making any friends, and he was an average student there, so, like, he got normal grades. Teachers actually described him as meek and quiet, and he continued to kill animals, even though his grandmother, Maude, had warned him not to. During the summer, he tried to return to his mother's home, but was sent back within two weeks. Maude commented that he seemed to be worse than when he had first gotten there. He was sullen and ominous, and she began to fear him. Hmm. She would hide the guns in the house or sometimes bring them along with her while she ran errands. Because, I mean, they had a farm. So, right. like, I feel like a farm in the 50s, it's normal to just have guns. Well, yeah. I mean, probably just all stocked around. up. Yeah. On August 27th, 1964, Ed was 15 years old. One day, he and Maude were sitting at the kitchen table, looking over proofs of a children book that she was finishing up writing. Ed decided he wanted to go outside and shoot some gophers. He grabbed the rifle and whistled for his dog to come along. As he walked out the kitchen, Maude warned him not to go shooting any birds. He walked out the back door and turned around to look at her through the screen. While she sat there at the table, her back turned to him, he raised his rifle and shot her in the head. He then shot her two more times in the back. He wrapped her head in a towel and dragged her body to her bedroom. And he's he's how old at this point? Fifteen. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yep. A short while later, his grandfather arrived home from grocery shopping. He decided he didn't want his grandfather to have to see his dead wife, and he wanted to grant him some mercy. So as he was unloading the groceries from the car, Ed again took aim and shot his grandfather in the head. Yeah, so he was very troubled from a very early age. Yeah, fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, you're, you're, you have enough rage inside of you to kill your grandparents that's right. pretty insane he knew there was no way he could get away with it he called his mother back in montana and she told him to call the police he was taken in for questioning and immediately confessed to both murders he spoke about it all very openly he says that he had been fantasizing about killing Maud for a while and that he just wanted to know what it felt like he said he killed his grandfather because he was worried he would have a heart attack when he saw his wife dead hmm. so yeah that so that this kind of starts down this like weird road with Ed Kemper, who is like specifically oddly present mm-hmm. for all of his murders, and like you know he goes in and he's like, yeah, I fucking I killed them both. Yeah, he was like, yeah, no, I was you know I was thinking about it for a while, and you know I just wanted to know what it felt like. Yeah, like he, it's it's not he he never leans on the crazy card, right? Um and. You know, this is just the first example of him him being oddly present is mm-hmm. kind of how I like to put it. Yeah. He was incarcerated in Juvenile Hall while the California Youth Authority figured out what to do with him. He was soon diagnosed as paranoid and psychotic by a court psychiatrist and then committed him to Atas- Atascadero, Atascadero State Hospital. A-T-A-S-C-A-D-E-R-O. Yeah, I mean, Where are you going to look? That sounds like... Atascadero State Hospital on December 6th, 1964. Ed was extremely intelligent. He had an IQ of 136. Wow. You know, it's weird when people talk about IQs and they just say numbers. I don't know. I don't know what they mean. (laughs) All right, I was going to ask you. Yeah, no, I don't. Somebody's just like, I have like 170 IQ. I'm like, that's a very... Wow, good job. That's a high number. (laughs) That's a high number you got there. That's pretty, it's pretty high. What is it out of? I don't know. I don't know what the total is. That's the problem. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know what the scale is. So I just assume when somebody says that they have a high IQ, I'm like, that does sound like a pretty large number. Well, so his was 136. Yeah. So, I mean, if they're classifying that as high, highly intelligent, yeah. maybe the scale's like 200 or I don't know. Would, would 136 be really good out of 200? I mean, from zero. Yeah. Okay. You're like pretty close to 200. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Good job. 
He was smart. He was also extremely <laughs> man- <laughs> he was also extremely manipulative. He used his time at Ascadero as a learning experience. He spoke with all of the serial rapists there and figured out where they went wrong and how they were caught. So, did you just look it up? Yeah. What is it out of? Um, hold on. Wait. No. You know how um, some podcasts do, like, mini episodes? Yeah. I think we're going to do lengthy episodes. We're just going to have episodes that are very long. <laughs> Every once in a while, because this one seems like it's going to be long. So, uh, the scale is from below 80, right? So there's no, like, bottom. It's just, like, if you're below 80... You're dumb. You're dumb. To 140 and over means you're a genius. So he was at... So he was almost genius. Yeah, he was at 136. That's crazy. How high can it go? It doesn't say. It just says 140 and over. Well, that's dumb. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's so smart and stupid. I rate that article under 80. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyways. All right, we'll try to stay on track. Sir. We'll try to stay on track. I'm sorry. So he used his time at... Um, this hospital as a learning experience. So he spoke with all the serial rapists and figured out where they went wrong and how they were caught. So he was like, oh, like, I'm going to listen to their stories and I'm going to perfect this. Mm -hmm. So like all sociopaths, which he was officially diagnosed while he was there, he was a model patient. He got in with all the staff and was always eager to take on jobs around the hospital. Also... He um, adopted religious conversion, so I'm not sure what he was before, Mm. but he became um, Catholic or Christian, Mm. um, would start reciting, like, Bible quotes, and, you know, anytime he could throw the Bible, a Bible quote in there, he was like, boom, Psalms. So. Yeah. (laughs) He was very clean cut and conservative. In 1969, he was considered reformed. And against doctor's requests, the hospital released him back into his mother's care. Big mistake. Yeah. Big, big mistake. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Clarnell Strandberg, as she was now known, because what's funny about that? That's his mom, right? Yeah. Clarnell? Yeah. Like, what name is that? I said it earlier. You didn't notice? I know, but it's just, I don't know, you emphasized it there. I thought for a second that you were making fun of her last name, because it sounds a lot like my mom's maiden name. Strandberg? Yeah. No, just... But it's Strandberg. It's Clarnell. Clarnell. Just imagine a baby coming out of you. Oh, little and... Clarnell. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. So she had moved to Aptos, California, and was working as an administrative assistant at the University of California Santa Cruz campus. The loud fights between them started immediately. So, mm-hmm. like, he moved back home, just goes into the same fucking spiral he was in when he was younger. Yep. Ed often sought refuge at a bar named Jury Room, where he made friends with the local cops, who were regulars there. Mm -hmm. He had dreams of one day becoming a cop, but at a sizable six foot nine, he was well beyond the maximum height. So it was actually a maximum... I mean, I don't know if there is now, but there was a minimum Mm -hmm. and a maximum height to be a police officer, and he was, like, way too tall. Interesting. I didn't know that either. Yeah. He found a position at a late... He found a position as a laborer with the Division of Highways, and he finally moved out of his mother's house and into an apartment with a roommate in Almeida, California. He bought a car that conveniently looked like an unmarked police car. Hmm. He installed a transmitter and a microphone and began to pick up pretty female hitchhikers. But it was the 70s. So, like, that's what you did in the 70s. Yeah. It's weird, because listening to all of this stuff... uh hitchhiking did seem to be like a like a pastime almost at that time like i think yeah like they just did it for fun yeah like i think we think of hitchhiking as like anytime i've seen it depicted in like a show or a movie or a book or something it always felt like a like an act of desperation Mm -hmm. right like you're hitchhiking because like oh shit like my car broke down and like i need to get two towns over to visit whoever Mm -hmm. but it seems like uh in the 70s it was like a a like almost like a social thing like how you meet people yeah which which is weird perhaps because you meet some weird people i mean like ed kemper sure yeah so he his sexual and violent fantasies soon became a reality on may 7th 1972 
He had recently rigged the door handles in his car to not be able to open from the inside. And when Marianne Pesci and Anita Luchez got into his car, they had no idea what they were in for. The two girls were Fresno State College students who were hitchhiking to Stanford University. He drove them to a deserted area where he pulled out his gun and forced Anita into his trunk. He handcuffed Marianne, and while she lay face down in the back seat, he put a plastic bag over her head and tried to strangle her with a piece of terry cloth. She fought hard. She bit a hole in the bag, and the cloth snapped. Ed got fed up, and he pulled out his knife and stabbed her repeatedly. Eventually, he slit her throat. He went back to the trunk where Anita was and stabbed her to death as well. He brought the bodies back to his home, where he dissected and decapitated them. Yeah, just, uh... The... Don't interrupt me now. Well, it's... I We're know. at the climax. All right, go ahead. He kept the heads for a while, yeah. but eventually dumped them in a ravine. Ed would bring the police to the site where he buried Marianne's body. Her skull was found near Loma Prida Mountain. I think that's how you say it. In fucking 2017. Yeah. Her skull was just found. Yeah. So when... Then he can talk. When he... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when, uh, when he stabbed the first woman in the back seat marianne uh, marianne he um i i truly am fascinated by ed kemper again just because of how present he is and how how much he vividly remembers all the things that he did mm-hmm. and he said that he initially had stabbed her one time and at that moment figured out that like when you stab somebody they don't just die it's right. not like shooting somebody right, it takes a while right they like leak mm-hmm. to death right and then so all you can do is like stab them more and hope that they leak faster is right. kind of the way that he puts it. And then eventually he got so fed up with like, he didn't, he didn't want to watch these people die. Right. Right. Like he didn't fantasize. That wasn't what he got from it. Right. He didn't want yeah. to fantasize about them suffering. It was like this weird, just power move where like he wanted to take their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the act of doing it was actually terrible to him. And so eventually he got so fed up with waiting for her to bleed out from all these other stab wounds that he slit her throat. Right. And then he goes to the trunk, uh, and he thought he had actually locked his keys in the trunk, so he started fucking kicking it, and then finally it pops open, and then, uh, you know, he didn't want a witness or anything like that, and he ends up killing the girl in the trunk as well. Anita. Anita. No parts of Anita were ever found. On September 14th, 1972... Ed picked up 15-year-old Aiko Ku while she was hitchhiking to a dance class. He drove into the mountains and parked out of sight off the main road. He duct-taped her mouth and tried to suffocate her by putting his thumb and index finger up her nose. While unconscious, he pulled her out of the car, laid her down on the ground, and raped her. He then strangled her with her own scarf. He shoved her body in his trunk and drove to a local bar to have a few beers with her in the fucking trunk. Yeah. He again brought her to his apartment where he dissected and decapitated her, burying her in different locations. Most of her body has never turned up. I can tell you want to say something. No, I'm good. Are you sure? Yeah. There's like an eagerness to your breath. No, I'm, I'm figuring out where we are oh, okay. in his timeline. Oh, okay. I'm giving you dates. No, I know. There just There's like a lot of... He has like a lot of weirdly specific memories, like the, the cops, like... He got buddy-buddy with him because he wanted to be a cop, but he also got buddy-buddy with him because of all this. Oh, yeah, he wanted to know. Right. And it it was the same, it was almost the same thing as all the research he had done while he was in Mm -hmm. the mental hospital. You know what I mean? Like, he was learning a lot from the cops as to how not to get caught. Right. Which is why he could roll up with With a dead body in his trunk trunk Mm -hmm. and go have a bunch of beers with cops and not seem at all suspicious. Right. Which is insane. Right. On January 8th, 1973... He picked up 19-year-old Cynthia Shaw. He drove into the hills near Watsonville, where he forced her into his trunk and shot her in the head. So I think he just decided that, like, knives were... Not good. Not good. Yep. Ed had recently moved back in with good old mom, Clarnell. (laughs) (laughs) He brought Cynthia's body to their duplex in Aptos. He raped her corpse and again desecrated her body. He buried her head in the backyard facing his mother's second-story bedroom window. He says it was because she always wanted people to look up to her. He put the rest of the body parts in a plastic bag and threw them off of a cliff. They were discovered the next day. 
Ed wasn't worried because during the 70s, there were so many serial killers that he knew he wasn't even close to being a suspect. Exactly. Like, literally, bodies were just turning up all the all time. Over, yeah, all over the place. All I the mean, time. That's, that's kind of what I was, what we were talking about at the yeah. beginning of this. It's just like, it seems like there's this weird period of time. And especially in California at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like super active. Yeah. Uh, for serial killers, which is, you know, it just must have been such a scary time for the public. Um, but yeah, I mean, he did a lot to make himself seem as least as little as little of a suspect as he possibly could right so girls were on high alert obviously they were told not to hitchhike but he was able to lure students into his vehicle using a sticker that he had stolen from his mom Mm -hmm. because she worked at the college so he had the sticker that everybody basically exactly everybody thought it was a safe car yeah So, you were told to, like, put the sticker on your car, right? If you were, like, a safe driver. Yeah, so it was, like, a... It was a sticker. It wasn't necessarily a safe driver sticker. It was a campus. It was a campus sticker. Yeah. So, like, it would allow you to get uh, into the campus parking lots. And so, um, they let out this alert, uh, basically, like, hey, don't hitchhike. But if you're gonna, like, uh, campus stickers, not necessarily the one that he had, but just in general... Like, campus stickers are a good way to identify, like, safe drivers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, obviously that's not great advice in general. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he he happened to get right. uh, access to a sticker because of his mom. Because his mom worked there. Yeah. On February 5th, 1973, he first picked up 23-year-old Rosalind Thrope and went on to pick up 20-year-old Allison Liu. This time, the murder was very rushed. He didn't even stop the car before pulling out his twenty two and shooting Rosalind in the front seat and then turning the gun on Alice in the back. He tried to bring the bodies home, but his mother was there, so he decapitated them while they were still in the trunk right outside of his house. The next day, after his mother left, he brought Alice's body inside the house where he raped her corpse. He then drove to Pacifica to dispose of their body parts. He also um, brought in Rosalind's head to take the bullet out of her skull. And he had done that to Cynthia, too. He, like, removed the bullet, yeah. which I'm assuming he probably kept, I'm yeah. sure. He he mentions this murder uh, specifically, uh, or the instance of him doing this in front of the house, mm-hmm. because he did it uh, to, not necessarily, like, to get caught, but, like, it was, like, another rush for him where, like, literally... Be like, he could get caught any second. Right, like, he yeah. said, like, all the windows were open, like, lights were on, like, people were home, uh... You know, it literally could have just been, like, somebody looks out the window and he's, like, in a car decapitating these women. Right. Yeah. April 20th, 1973 was when it all boiled over. That night, he waited for his 52-year-old mother to fall asleep. Why are you deep breathing? Because I know. Because you know. Do you know what the last thing his mom said to him was? Yeah, so he had come home from a party and he, like, walked into the room, and she was like, oh, so I guess you're going to want to talk all night. Yep. And he was like, no. And then he left. Yeah. hmm He crept into her room and bludgeoned her with a claw hammer. He decapitated her and raped her head, which I learned a new word, aromatio. They said that he performed aromatio, which is essentially the opposite physical action of fellatio in case you wanted to know a new word i didn't why it's real (laughs) fucked up it's fucking disgusting yep he put her head on a shelf and yelled at it for hours before using it as a dartboard he then ripped out her tongue and larynx and shoved them in the garbage disposal however however the muscle was too tough and it flew back out ed said That seemed appropriate, as much as she had bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. In an effort to cover his tracks, he hid his mother in a closet and went to a bar for some drinks. He then called his mother's friend, 59-year-old Sarah Taylor Hallett, and invited her over for dinner and a movie. He was hoping that if two bodies were found, the suspicion wouldn't be on him. When Sarah arrived, he strangled her with his hands, and then when that didn't work fast enough, he used Aiko's scarf. He also put her body in a closet and fled after leaving a note for the police that read, Approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. No need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick. Asleep. The way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. I got things to do. 
He then drove 1,000 miles to Pueblo, Colorado, believing that he was the target of an active manhunt. After not hearing anything on the news, he decided to call the police himself. He confessed, and they thought it was a prank. When asked why he turned himself in, oh, so he waited for them to come, and immediately they got there, and he confessed to killing six college students. When asked why he turned himself in, he said, The original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the foley of the whole thing, and at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it all off. He was so detailed and explicit with the investigators that his lawyer, James Jackson, literally had nothing left to use as his defense. Of course, they tried using insanity, but a number of people testified against that case and were like, no, no, no. Yeah. He's real smart. Like, he's not I would even guess that probably... Ed Kemper himself probably. Oh, he knew he wasn't. He, he not, not only did he admit. Not only did he know that he wasn't crazy, but yeah. I bet that when his lawyer was like, "Hey, we're gonna try to use like the insanity defense," he was, like, he was probably no. like, "Don't do that." Yeah. He was found guilty of first degree murder on all eight counts, and he to this day is still behind bars at Folsom Prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is Ed Kemper. One interesting thing is that prior to killing his mother. He picked up two more hitchhikers, uh-huh. and uh, one of the things he would do is he would, like, go out of his way to go a different way. He'd be like, no, I know, like, a better way to get you back to where right. you're going. And so he was in the car with these two girls, and they started kind of giving him the, like, hey, where are you taking me? Yeah. And he ended up taking them back to where they were supposed to go, as opposed to murdering him. And he says, like... That was the night that I was like, this needs to stop. It needs to stop, yeah. And, you know, he knew right then, he was like, I'm going to murder my mom. Mm -hmm. And he said that, you know, his mom was the catharsis for the whole thing. Well, that's essentially the quote that I was saying. And he was like, the purpose is over. Right, I killed my mom. Like, the purpose was his mom. So he was, it it was like a release for him. It was done. Yeah. He's he's crazy. Uh, Just the videos of him talking about it and... I mean, like, you know, you said it at the end there, like, he went into such explicit detail. Like, there, there's only one other person that I can think of that did it in the same fashion that he does, and it's, it's the BTK killer, mm-hmm. um, where... Yeah, but he, he's stupid. He was stupid. It, so, like, it's a totally different thing, but, like, he he was also... He could talk about it with no feeling. Yeah, he was, like, oddly present for mm-hmm. it. And, yeah. you know, I think Ed Kemper did have feeling... But he knew exactly where that was supposed to be. But he just says it all so matter of fact. Yeah. Like, well, then, yes, I cut off her head. Yeah. And you're like, what? What? Yeah, like, what did you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's crazy. Um, but I think the difference, like, I was saying is that, like, he, he had, like, this, he knew his ultimate purpose. Mm-hmm. And he had, like, an ultimate goal. And he just, like. But, di- but I think he, I think he did try for so long. To, like, not. And then I don't understand why he chose to kill other people and not his mom right away. I think he probably just couldn't bring himself to admit that that was right. the right thing to do. Because it's not. Right. Right. But I think that he started to go actually crazy. Mm-hmm. And once, because he was so smart, I think once he realized that that was that's the path that he was on that like just he was just killing more and more people and like we said earlier like he didn't like to watch people die you know that wasn't like his thing he wasn't into like pain and suffering or anything like that i mean he did a lot of fucked up shit yeah i think the aftermath is what got him yeah like dissecting and decapitating and yeah you know he talks in one of his interviews what does he say he's like you know you see a a woman walking by and you think like what a pretty face and i see a woman walking by and i think like i wonder what her head would look like on a stick right and it's like, like yeah <laughs> like wait what the fuck yeah there, there's uh one one point that he i forget who he had um who he had murdered but he said he had a uh, one head in like a duffel bag mm-hmm. uh that he was carrying and he was going back up to an apartment and on the way down was a couple uh and they were going out for a date and the guy like nodded at him like just kind of like a you know like a head check like hey what's up and you know 
He nodded back. Like you do to every single person that walks by you. I just, I can't help it. <laughs> it's just a, hey, it's like a terrible tick that I have. It's not really a tick. But so that was another point where um, I always found that particular story fascinating because mm-hmm. it was, again, it was another moment where he was so present in what had happened and what was going on. Like he talks about how vastly different their realities are in that moment and like how you know like this dude's reality is like going out on a date with this woman and his reality is like he just murdered this woman and there is a head in a bag and he's going up the stairs and there's such like a a huge gap between those two people Mm -hmm, like for a moment they're parallel but right but for a moment they're in the same reality it's crazy um he, yeah, he was very intelligent, very, very, very interesting, and an absolute sick fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, what a story. Yeah, I knew a lot about that one. <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> did I do okay? Yeah, I thought you did really good. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just filled in tiny little things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he was very interesting to read also, even more about. He also credits watching TV as giving him inspiration to on how to navigate um you know not being a suspect uh like cop shows which being i thought able, was being able to like um mimic expressions and stuff yeah and like not not falling into traps and then right just like you know well if you don't like if you bring up the murder all the time like you're a prime suspect so like i never talked about it and mm-hmm. it's just uh yeah absolutely insane he's totally crazy yeah and i didn't even talk about um any references of him in like um i don't know like there was a system of a down song that like they reference him or like oh really yeah or um a couple of um i think was it buffalo bill that was after him the based on him really in Silence of the Lambs? I would believe that. Shit, my phone is it's over right. there. It's fine. I I think... Pro- I bet Buffalo Bill was a couple of people. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, he he's a... No, I think I'm wrong. Don't listen to me, guys. Okay. That one's wrong. But there was like... There was like... A character that was based on him in like a movie or something? Yeah, I should have fucking wrote it, wrote it down. That's all right. <laughs> I should have written it down. Um... <laughs> But I know there was a System of a Down song um, based on him. Actually, a couple songs by some random ass people. Yeah, I'm But sure. that was the only band that I was like, hey. Hey, I know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he's... It's weird because, like, we have all these um, really famous ones. Like, BTK is more recent, kind yeah. of. Uh, but he's one that, like, is probably, like, legitimately the most interesting to to research because of his intelligence uh but he's like hardly ever mentioned yeah uh in in a lot of different you know a lot of different documentaries about serial killers right you hear about zodiac and a lot of other ones right but not a whole lot about ted Ted bundy takes a lot of precedence over a lot of people well and they were active at the same time right so um, and i guess his maybe it's because his body count wasn't super high yeah, I mean, eight versus, what, 30? Yeah. Something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That was a that was a good one. I look forward to whatever the next one we do is. Yeah, so we're thinking, like, every 10 episodes, we'll do essentially, like, a theme, and I'm going to let you guys vote, because that seemed like a lot of people had fun with that, and yeah. I enjoyed interacting with some people on the um, poll. Yeah. Even though I had to go make a group instead <laughs> of a page. Yeah, Because I didn't us. know there was a fucking difference. Um, so anybody that liked the page and transferred over to the group, I appreciate you. You're amazing. I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing as far as social (laughs) media. Apparently I'm old. We're learning. It's fine. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I think every, every 10 episodes, you know, I'll pick a theme. I have a couple of themes, um, in my brain already, like, uh, branching off of not doing just couples, Every 10th episode will be something like uh, women that murder their children or children that murder their parents or, yeah, I have t- 
tons of lists of those. Jeez. Or um, missing persons, because I would love to cover the Maura Murray um, case, because that's so no, close to us. No, no relation. No relation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a fascinating case so close to us. And we're not saying that because we know where she is. Yeah. <laughs> I just had no, no idea who that woman is. You've never heard of that case? No, yeah, what is see? that? Yeah, see? I, I want to, you know, every once in a while do shit like that. Yeah. So... Well, this was a fun one. I hope we do return to serial killers at one point because I know out of just morbid curiosity and the path my life has taken, I love talking about this shit. Okay. Well, so maybe, I mean, maybe the next one we can do it again. doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. Okay. It'll be what it is when it gets there. Yeah. So. It's your turn to go first for the toast. Shit. I know you were going to try and be like, so follow us. But that's not where we were. We're at toast time, baby. Toast time. Shit, I don't really have a toast this week. Uh, I had one, and now I don't remember it. You go first. Okay. Um, my toast this week is actually, I found a new podcast, um, Bear Brook. It's like, so I really love the podcasts that um, every week is something new, obviously, because that's what we're here doing but i also really enjoy the podcast that like delve into one case Mm -hmm. and you can like really get involved with them Mm -hmm. and it brings me a lot of excitement so i started listening to that yesterday and there's eight episodes and i might have already finished them it's a lot (laughs) um headphones are great (laughs) in the house because sometimes i pretend like i'm doing other stuff but really i'm just listening to my (laughs) podcast Uh, so yeah, it was, um, fascinating. It was actually about these murders in New Hampshire and, um, this, uh, mother and daughter that were found in like one of those 55 gallon, one of those blue fucking drums and, um, yeah, it was, uh, listen to it. It was so fucking good. It was great. Yeah. So that was my, that's my excitement this week. My toast is to things that aren't a subscription service. <laughs> what? All right. I do a little bit of graphic design. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, graphic design software in general used to be really, oh, really okay. expensive. Yeah, I got you. Okay. It's fucking super expensive. Mm-hmm. But Adobe now, not sponsored or anything, mm-hmm. you know, they charge a monthly premium for their products. And it's just another bill Right. On my list of subscription services. And I hate it. And there are alternatives out there that are just as good. Right. Because I've tested them. Whoop whoop affinity. <laughs> affinity designer and photo. Hey, hey, if you do want to sponsor us, <laughs> give me free software. Uh, are like one-time flat fees for super cheap that do essentially the same exact thing. Right. Like stop being subscription services. I don't right. want to pay monthly for your shit. I have enough bills. Like I don't make, I'm not made of money. Just give me your stuff. Well, it essentially gives them the ability to not keep creating more and better stuff because they're already making the money. Right. So they don't need to improve. Where, like, when you have a one and done thing, they're like, okay, what's we next? We need the sequel. What's next? Yeah. So. I mean, granted, this software used to be like $500. Adobe Illustrator. Right. Photoshop. It used to be really expensive. But you're paying $500 one time. You know what I mean? Like now, if I use Illustrator Creative Cloud or Adobe Creative Cloud, right. if I use that for like a year, depending on what programs I'm using, I'm paying that anyway. Yeah. It's a shitload of money. It's like crazy. Stop being subscription services. Quit it. <laughs> that was my toast to non-subscription service-based things. <laughs> that was a weird toast. <laughs> you know what? That's why I like milk so much. You know what's good about milk? I go to the store. I buy the milk. I come home in my fridge that analogy is literally the worst <laughs> analogy <laughs> i bought the milk you're normally really good at this it's in my fridge yeah yeah i'm good at analogies but your milk the milk is gone very quickly yeah where like this software lasts forever right yeah it was a bad analogy it was pretty bad i guess now that <laughs> i think about it i am kind of on a milk subscription service <laughs> <laughs> you are yeah i drink a lot of milk we're learning a lot about me today <laughs> you're so weird (laughs) yeah fuck subscription services but not really i like netflix and hulu yeah yeah anyway that was my toast 
I couldn't think of one. Get out of my face. I don't know. Nothing makes you happy? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, we're on several services now. All of them. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Yes. And you can always go back and listen to our other ones. Please. Um, you know, we're Why, on... why'd you start on the 10th one? Yeah, why'd you start on the 10th one? That's, That's weird. weird. That's weird. <laughs> start with number one. Yeah. Go back. Listen. They're all good. We get better. Yeah, we do. But they're all good. Yes. Yeah. They are. Right. Okay. I'm just glad we're on the same page. But yeah, <laughs> we're on, you know, Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iHeartRadio. Uh, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, where mm-hmm. if you rate us, that would be wonderful. Please uh, rate, review. Yeah, it gets us in front of a, a lot more eyes. Yeah. Um, you know, and we just like to read them, uh, you know, because it's fun and it makes us feel pretty good, like we're doing a good job. Yeah. Um, if you have a bad review, just don't fucking do it. I would like one bad review. Yeah. Give me one. Oh my God. What do, what do you think it would say? I don't know. What do you think it would say? <sighs> Do you have, it seems like you you have this loaded. It would be like, Michelle says so a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they smack their lips a ton. Damn it. Um, but yeah, go there, um, you know, go to those places, subscribe, uh, rate, and then uh, come join the Facebook group because I think that you can interact with us more there now yeah, that we've made it a group. Yeah, do it. Um, and come hang out. We, we try to post stuff there every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try to not be like... I always get so nervous about posting stuff because I think I'm, like, harassing people. But um, It's a group. That's what it's for. Yeah. I just want to make sure I'm liked. <laughs> I mean, they liked the group. Yeah. They know what they're getting into. So. You know, they, they bought the cow. I, yeah. Right. So, yeah. Please interact with us there. Um, give me something to do. Yeah. Like us. You know, follow us on Instagram as well. Oh, yeah. That's true. You can also email us at tilldeathdoespodcast at gmail.com. That's correct. Um, tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you want to hear. I don't did know you just that, make that up? Yeah. I did. They don't want to hear your music. You can follow me at mattmarrymusic.com. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, so, yeah, this was a fun episode. And, um, you know, we'll see you guys later. And, hey, don't murder each other. Bye.